guys, this is Josh Shredder here, and welcome to the Level Infinite Show, formerly the podcast of everything. Now, I know you guys are thinking my other episodes have had a different name, but had different name in the title. They didn't match. Well, I taped those episodes prior to, you know, me changing the name, so there's no point in going back to retape them. Anyway, today I'm going to be talking to you guys about the functions of the American government and specifically the separation of powers between the federal government. Now, this is an educational segment, and the only reason I'm doing this is because I have some pretty amazing history students out there who really want to know how this works. So, without further ado, let's get dive into today's episode. So, the American government was founded in the great year of 1787. Whoops. Wait a minute. Let me backtrack. Okay, so our founding fathers at the beginning of the States wanted to make sure that they all have protections against the federal government abusing its power and that they could distinguish themselves effect- effectively from Great Britain with policies and laws that could help protect the will of the people. Well, in 1787, they finally, they finally drafted, created, and ratified the Constitution. And this was a huge deal. Well, originally, they had the original text and 10 Bill of Rights. And over the years, they've added 17 amendments to the Constitution, plus those original 10, to create the five articles and the 27 amendments. Now, in the original text of the Constitution, articles 1, 2, and 3 spell out the definitive um, separation of powers between the actual branches of government. The executive branch oversees the enforcement of the laws or the execution. The legislative branch creates the laws and the judiciary uh, actually interprets and or declares whether the laws of enforcing the laws are in fact um, what the Constitution says. As we've known in recent years, if the judiciary decides, hey, that's constitutional, then all the federal government and all the states have to obey what the court says and basically allow it because constitutional. If they say it's unconstitutional, well, then they have the opposite effect. It cancels out any bills at the federal and state level and nullif- and it, they're still in they're still in place, but it nullifies it and says that you cannot go and enforce this law because it is unconstitutional. So it, the laws will still be on the books when they when, if they do declare it constitutional in the future, but when they but when they say it's unconstitutional, the federal government and the police can't go to your house and arrest you and say, hey, um, this this is on the books. They can't do that because it's been declared unconstitutional. But wait, now you guys look at the semicircles um, on your papers, on your on your graphs, in your teacher's classroom, and you're like, wait, there are some overlaps here. Yes. The legislative, executive, and judicial branch do have some overlaps, but those overlaps are very, very tiny and very, very tricky. 
the overlap for the legislative branch with the executive branch is basically the basically the power um, basically the power powers of impeachment and several other powers in conjunction with the executive branch now the executive now the executive branch does have some overlap with the judiciary like they get to appeal and the executive branch also has overlap with congress to actually approve the judge now i know what you guys are i know what you guys probably are asking the question well there are different offices in the executive branch and the one that i get this question a lot from is does the doj have overlap with the judicial branch actually no it does not while the um while the while the DOJ I'm sorry I cannot talk today while the DOJ has prosecutorial power they don't have the, they don't have the power to oversee the cases before them they have the they have the power to follow the facts and evidence and issue and issue um, warrants and other various things um, that some people may may or may not be familiar with like indictments and that sort of thing they have the power to do that. They have the power to present the evidence and prosecute the cases, but they but the limit of their power is that they cannot oversee them. Now, if the DOJ had power to oversee the cases themselves, then they would basically be in both branches of government. But that's not how it works. So because they don't have the power to oversee the cases, it kicks them back to the executive branch and it cuts off it cuts off that artery that would in fact make them um, an overlap an overlapping lapping organization in government. Same thing with the FBI and CIA and and some um, and some international aspects of the federal government. They don't have they have different powers, but they don't really necessarily overlap with the judicial branch because of the fact that they don't have they don't have that case oversight authority that the that the judges actually have. So that's the reason why the judge not overlap. Now I know what you guys are thinking, well, where do the well, where does the president fall into this? Well, the president has to sign the laws, and the president has to veto them. Now, an overlap of Congress is that Congress can obviously override it with two thirds or 67 percent of the vote. So they'd have to have they'd have to have 67 percent or 67 members. Now it's, th it's actually 33. 34, 30, 33, and 34, adding up to 67, and so that 67th member would count as the two as the two thirds. I people people say 66, and I'm like, dude, 66? You do know that two thirds of 100% is broken into three parts: 33, 33, and then 34 in the middle to make to make 66 for the majority. Do you not attend math class? I, I'm like, do you not attend math class? I've, I've actually gotten that question before. That has actually come up. Um, and it's actually 67 out of 100 because it's 67% is two thirds. So, yeah. Um, when, when, the when the founders did the original constitution, it said two-thirds, which means seven out of thirteen uh, um, would have would have to approve would have to approve or override the veto when the thirteen colonies were there. It started adding states, and states and states got two senators. Those states 
it kind of changed. It kind of changed the dynamic a little bit. It was kind of off here and there. You may have needed two more senators. You may have needed one more senator. When they started getting to the, the 19th century, which is the 1800s, they began to get what began to get a new a new era where the unfortunately there was still slavery at the time, and they wanted to make sure that they had an equivalent number of free states and slave states. With their compromises, which um, at my people's expense, because my ancestors were in fact slaves, it did it was at their expense. What it did was it made sure that for every free state added, they had they added a slave state. So they all had to they had to join basically at the same time. So what so when so when when they did the free state slave state thing, what that did is that evened it out to allow for the two third two thirds majority to become just a simple vote of however many to however many. You didn't have to worry about adding a few senators here and there to kind of nudge you above that 60 that two-thirds threshold it would automatically majority would be 60 would be 67 percent you didn't have to do 68 percent or 60 or 69 percent it's uh it, it, it was very tricky it was very tricky math back back then because you had fewer states now that we have 50 and we have 100 senators the math can just go just like that but because but back then you know it's kind of different um and then and then finally and then finally the states uh my 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 greats my great states so the so the states already had constitutions that broke up their their branches of government for them already before the constitution at the federal level was even made so the states are the states already had some form of this the federal government just solidified it to um, to make to make it so that the states had a concrete plan of action, and so that any states that were not already following the rules had to jump in and start following the rules, or else or um or else we're gonna cut funding, or else uh we, we we might have to kick you out. But that's not well no we might not have to kick you out. That's a little bit of a, a exaggeration, but you know you get what I'm saying. They would have they would have had to punish them some way for not jumping on board and following the rules. Um, they can hold, they, like the government now can withhold funding for not following an amendment. So, I mean, clear, I mean, clearly they would have had some sort of punishment or incentive to get them on board. But anyway, most states already have this in their constitutions, um, in their, in their original Bill of Rights and their whole, and the 13 colonies in the states. Now, prior to 1860, all of the states had one constitution. This is a fact. After the states, after the southern states seceded, then every southern state, when they, when, when the war was over, who had wanted to get back into the union, had to read, had to read, had to basically burn their constitution to the ground and start it from, and start it from scratch, and start it from scratch that guaranteed the protections. They didn't really technically do it. They did it, but they but they hid the they hid the meaning in it, and so they did it to an extent. And then they reversed it and said, "Whoa, wait, we got in the union, ha ha, you lose. We're we're doing a Fortnite dance." And then they backtracked and took it back out, right at right after they got admitted back in, and they really didn't do anything about it. But the southern states at that point had two constitutions. 
and then they have three because a lot of the states reverse the reverse their policy so they put in place during the second constitution if i'm not mistaken some states like mississippi and alabama have um have had um have had have had quite a few um have had tens upon tens of constitutions and i think i think i think Alab i think according to my american government instructor for my college um that alabama that alabama actually actually just did, um, did, redid theirs, which was really not them changing laws. It was really just them doing a rework of what was already there to make it to make it. Because they they had like over, I want to say it was over 300 something bills and stuff that were lying in there. Repeal, replace, amend, repeal, a place, remend, uh, amend, and they just cut those out the the repeals and the amends and just shortened it so that people so that people could people could actually read the stupid thing because <laughs> that because i mean it, i mean it was long um but yeah the whole that's the whole structure of the federal and state governments now if you guys if you guys would like to follow me you guys can follow me um i'll leave my link to my twitter in the description if you guys would also like to get in touch with me, I'll leave my email in the description as well. Uh, you guys can also donate by going to anchor.fm slash tpoe slash support. And that link may change in the future. I'm actually going to try and do TLIS to change it to the Level Infinite show to reflect the changes. I might not. I might actually do it. So heads up i will announce on my twitter page if that happens as always you guys i thank you guys for joining me in this episode and i will hopefully catch you guys in the next episode